And now, as the dice roll, brought to you today by Zippy Zap Paddles. When your engineer is going into cardiac arrest, nothing brings him back like Zippy Zap. Cautious optimism. Aurora Borealis Shand. A human woman. I'm not interested in, in selling this ship. She has a huge smile on her face. She was, she's very important to me. Hank Crawford. Engineers. Bad news, good news. Uh, bad news, fuel leak. Coming and going from the spaceport. Good news, I found duct tape. Cayenne Brunt. A mature. I am a doctor. A nine foot tall, four armed creature. I don't care if they call me, hey, you, just let me do my job. Rico. Humanoid. I'm observing you. Cat person. It's for science. Toss. A slimy, gelatinous. Mm, what are you hauling? Goo thing. Thank you, Cautious Optimism. Welcome to the station. Hello, welcome to Precautious Optimism, about a bunch of people playing GURPS together. This is our first episode, we're going to have a lot of fun, and I hope that you, listeners at home, have a lot of fun as well. So, my name is Todd, I am the co-host of a podcast called Nerdberg Review, where we talk about video games. I'm going to be the GM, and I selected the GURPS system because it is uh, very flexible, And you can do a lot of different things with it. You can play in any setting, including outer space, which is where today's adventure is going to take place. And I am useless without a uh, party of players to play with. And I have three great people here to play with us. First, let's start with uh, Joe. You want to introduce yourself, Joe? Yeah, definitely. My name is Joe Hogan. I am one of the co-hosts of the Geektitude podcast, and I have made many, many characters with GURPS over the years, but never actually played a game with them. So I'm really excited to figure out how to actually use the the characters that we have created. I'm ex- I'm excited to see what you do with your character, too. Uh, we also have Bamashox. You want to say hi? Hi, I am Bama. I am the reigning dungeon master of a little-known D&D production company I like to call King of the Heel. And that's Heel, H-E-A-L. Yes, it's over on Twitch. Everybody should watch. It is a lot of fun. And if you go there, you can see what Bama looks like because he has a face cam on there. Our, Our last character for today, although we might have a fourth player in weeks to come, is Kelly. You want to say hi? Uh, hello, my name is Kelly Hightower. I used to be on a podcast called Mating Habits of the Modern Geek that may or may not come back at some point. And I've been playing pen and paper RPGs since 1996. And this is my first time playing GURPS, so I'm excited. Is Hightower your real life last name? It indeed is. That is a cool name for a character in a fantasy game or novel. That's <laughs> Well, also, not on top of the fact that I am six foot, one inches tall in real life. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was awful when I was young, and then 
by the time I got to high school, I got used to it. And now it's fantastic. But yeah, no, that is indeed my real last name. It works on a lot of different levels. (laughs) Before we start the game, I want to make a little disclaimer that we're all pretty new to GURPS. I've played it a bit. I don't know that anyone else here has played. Like Joe said, he's made characters. So we're all new to it, including me for the most part. And so we're going to make mistakes. That's absolutely going to happen. And if you in the listening audience are more familiar with the game and you see that we're doing something wrong or whatever, please reach out to us, contact us, and and very politely explain what we did wrong or how we should be doing a rule. And we're eager and happy to learn. Absolutely. But I also want to say, you know, I've known lots of people who at the comic book store have said, oh man, this gaming system looks really cool, but it seems complicated. And if we tried to play it, we'd make a lot of mistakes. So I'm not going to play it. And my philosophy is if it looks like a fun game, just do it and screw everything up. Who cares? Just Just have some fun. And if you like it and you keep playing it for a long time, over time, you'll learn all the details and ins and outs. And that's what I think we're going to be doing. Hopefully, this is a successful podcast. And if you fast forward to episode 100, we'll probably be less awful at the game. (laughs) (laughs) Or or so you would think. Yes. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, that's the dream. Also, just that we have so much fun that we reach episode 100. That would be great, too. So, as I mentioned earlier, this is a game that takes place in outer space. In the future, the year is about 2100 by the old Earth calendar, which, for some reason, people still use pretty considerably, even though Earth is no longer inhabited. Ooh, what happened to Earth? Oh, mystery. But we begin on a a distant planet called Falcon Rock. And as the camera pulls down from space through the atmosphere onto the planet, you see a lush green planet covered with trees and vegetation, bunch of green trees, but also a lot of the leaves have bluish hues in them. Very pretty. In the sky, there's twin suns, one large, one much smaller. And we descend upon a fairly sci-fi looking town filled with spaceships coming and going. And there's a little vacuum tube that a little dude is zipping around in. And we settle on a huge spaceport. Has all kinds of cool floating hover pads with spaceships landed on them. And there's the sound of rocket engines in the distance. And we see all these really cool sci-fi looking ships that are very sleek and fancy looking. And there's one, oh, just clunker piece of garbage spaceship in the background. That's probably just decoration. But the camera is zooming in on that garbage ship. And you might think, what about all these other cool ships? But nope, the camera focuses right on the junky looking ship. Kind of looks like a brick except it's gray, grayish. It's got a lot of pipes and things on the outside of it that don't all look like they're hooked up anymore. Some might be dangling off. There's a bit of smoke coming out of one seam that doesn't seem quite right. And staring at the ship is a human woman. And despite its ugliness, she has a huge smile on her face. Kells, do you want to... Kind of tell the audience 
what your character looks like. So my character is a human woman, as you said earlier. She is, you would say, attractive, long brown hair, blue eyes. She's wearing a great flight suit. She's looks like she is not in informal or business sort of mode. She's she's a you could tell she she has has moved some boxes in her day. Is used to to manual labor, but she's looking at the ship pretty pretty happily and adoringly. And yeah, yeah, that's it. She's she's excited. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, as she stares happily at this uh, at the ship, a human man wearing uh, formal business attire walks up to her and uh, he calls out, Rory? Rory, is that you? That's me. Hi. How are you? He he sticks out his hand for a handshake. She shakes it. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Evan Long. I am Peter Shan's lawyer. And uh, terrible, terrible tragedy about his, his... Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I am the executor of his will, and I see you've already you've already noticed uh, the the ship. Yes, yes, I uh, I had a pretty good feeling that this is what we were going to be meeting for, or I hope you, at least. Have you been on it before? Oh yes, I spent many 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 uh, months on the ship. It's a uh, she might not look like much, but she's good and she's sound and uh she was she's very important to me well that's that's great because as you know uh uncle peter had a lot of he had a lot of wealth and valuables uh and he's not giving any of them to you but he is giving you this ship and i i would i would disagree i would say that this is the most valuable thing that my uncle peter ever owned Good, good, good. I'm glad you feel that way. Now, here I have the uh, legal paperwork and everything here. Feel free to read it over if you'd like. Um, but basically, it says it's it just says that you're getting the ship. You're going to be the sole owner of it, all that jazz. And when you're ready, just uh, go ahead, press the red button here in the corner, and uh, please speak your full legal name. Uh, that will that will sign the form and hand. Uh, ownership over to you. I, I take the papers and fold them up and put them in my back pocket, and I press the button hurriedly. Uh, Aurora Borealis Shand. And there's a little beep, and then a little a little gold seal kind of appears on the form to indicate, you know, that it's been signed and notarized and everything. And he takes it. Um, I guess it wouldn't be notarized. The lawyer can't notarize the his form. This is anyway. Funny. In in this space world, everything's on the up and up, so no worries. He takes a he takes the pad away from you and says, "Very good, it's all yours, I guess." <laughs> and he looks around and says, "Okay, well, have a good day. I'm gonna go somewhere nice." <laughs> he starts to walk away, and and as he's leaving, a uh, an, a life form is approaching uh, approaching you. This is a, I, I've been trying to come up with a cooler way to describe this, but the best thing I can come up with is imagine Big Bird, except wearing overalls, you know, like blue overalls and a dashing cap. But basically, you know, a really tall bird life form approaching. Have I ever seen this sort of life form before? Am I familiar with what it is? In fact, you have. This okay. is an avian, and ah. they are the native species on Falcon Rock, this planet. 
so they're they're very common around here. He walks up to you and says, uh, Squawk! Hello! Hello. Hello. Is this your ship? It is now. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Now, uh, I am the owner and proprietor of this shipyard. I am Gorbla. And now that this is uh, legally your ship, uh, I, I'd like to discuss business opportunities. I already have several people interested in buying various pieces and components of the ship. I can get some pretty good money for selling off these engines, uh, oh. for example. And the computer core, even though it's old, that still has some value in it. So, yeah, if you'll let me be the middleman in helping you scrap and sell off this ship for parts, uh, I'll just take 10% and we can make a lot of money. How does that sound to you? Squawk! Yeah, no, I, I'm not interested in, in selling this ship, but uh, but thank you. I, I think I'm just going to go onto the ship and take a look around, if you don't mind. But no, I, she's she's not for sale, but I appreciate it. I'll let you know if that changes. Oh, squawk! Well, uh, you know, it doesn't work, right? What do you mean it doesn't work? Well, it was tractored in. The ship didn't fly here on its own. Uh, a hauler brought it in with tractor beams. I don't think it flies. So uh, if you're going to leave it parked here, I am going to have to charge you a fee until you can move it. All right. What? What's, when, out of character, when does the... the when sun set when do when does the day reset here <laughs> this, is, this is early morning this is dawn okay. so you you've got a while i've got a while before business, close of business yeah yeah okay um well then it looks like i need to uh find someone to help me get this thing in the air before the close of business today thank you oh well remember if you change your mind squawk and want to scrap it i can help i'll keep it in mind thank you and he uh, he waves both wings in the traditional avian gesture of um, you know leaving of goodbye, <laughs> and he turns and and walks off for a bit, and then he jumps in the air and he flaps his wings and he kind of kind of soars a little bit and then lands again and walks some more. <laughs> and uh, what do you want to do now? So I want to look around and find. Basically, basically, I want to find an engineer. All right. Well, you have a pretty good idea that you might find an engineer down at the, let's see, the Rookery Bar and Grill. Mostly bar. So <laughs> you, uh, you wander on down to the Rookery. It's, uh, it's kind of a seedy establishment, but uh, as you walk in, it's very busy. Even though it's kind of midday, mostly it looks like people are getting are getting food, not a lot of, you know, alcoholic beverages at the moment. And uh, there, behind the counter is a Mator, a nine-foot-tall, four-armed creature. And he seems to be using all four arms to cook food, get drinks. You know, all four arms are working pretty busily um, running, the, uh, running the place. And a uh, a smaller, like eight and a half uh, foot tall lady, lady Matorb walks up to you and uh, says, uh, "Oh, hello! Uh, can I help you? Would you like a seat?" Uh, actually, I was wondering uh, if you could recommend 
uh, an engineer to help me out with a problem with my ship. Oh, oh, you've heard this is their this is where they hang out, huh? Yeah, yes. most of most of our clientele here are are engineers, you know, on the on their way coming and going from the spaceport. So uh, any of the folks around here could do you now. I'll warn you though, that guy in the corner who who keeps he, he keeps looking at me weird. He really ruffles my feathers. I'd stay away from him. He's a little creepy. Um, but he's been here. <laughs> he's been here for a while, and uh, he might need work. So I, I don't know. If you're desperate enough, maybe. And as uh, we pan over to the corner, uh, Bama Shocks, do you want to describe what your character looks like sitting there at the table? I imagine at this point, seated in the bar, eating what can only look like a like, like a, a good juicy burger with some fries being that, that we're not on earth anymore it may not look like what we traditionally see maybe there's maybe the meat's green or something like that but he's still eating it looking looking at his i forgot what it was called um the glasses that are a computer he's he's scanning through his glasses you know looking up facts and over schematics and stuff like that all right all right, so um, assuming that he's not the only engineer, that there's a, there's a group of engineers or people, basically uh, humanoids with grease on them that I can sure. tell. Okay, or, <laughs> in the area, I go and stand in the, in the in the general area and just say out loud, "Anyone here brave enough to try to help me get this gray brick in the air? I got money." Uh, and- a couple a couple folks walk over, including. Did you want to say something, Bama? I was I was gonna say from the corner, not taking my eyes off of my meal and saying that de- that's gonna depend, young lady. Are you looking for someone who knows what they're doing or someone who pretends to know what they're doing? <laughs> and one one of the other guys that walks up to you, he's a he's a young kid. He's a human, you know. He's like nineteen, and he says, "Ah, I, I, I'm looking for work. I, I uh." I uh, I passed my SATs. I could be your your engineer. Do you, Do your parents know where you are, son? No, I'm skipping town. <laughs> well, I, so I, I scan. Is anybody else other than uh, everyone else is is that was interested at first is is uh, kind of saying what What is her ship? Oh, oh, it's that it's that old clunker, and they're like, oh, uh, never mind. So, so I, I I go over to uh to the 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 engineer scanning and enjoying his meal. So, you you think you know enough to be able to get her up in the air? He he slides his glasses down his nose, looks at her. Does a bear poop in the woods? I mean, come on. So I extend my hand, Rory Shand, and he he goes to shake her hand, realizing he's got French fry grease on it. Wipes it off on a. A nice little napkin and says, Hank Crawford, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Can you uh, think you can get her up there before the end of business today? I don't want to have to pay a lot of lot fees. Well, I saw her when they brought her in on the tractor beams. She's in, okay, I'll say rough shape, but I mean, surely we can get her mobile. She may not be space worthy, but we can get her mobile, I'm sure. All right. Well, I'll be at the ship waiting when you finish your... Lovely meal here. He, he looks you. at what's left on the plate, thinking, you know, thinking about the challenge in front of him, and he's he's excited to to tackle something of this size. And he, how is money traded in, around here, digitally, paper? What are we looking at? 
It's uh, it's mostly done digitally. Everybody has a little little card they carry around, and the uh, the currency is called a, a, a LOPC, L-O-P-C. Okay, and I, I imagine this is all tracked through thumbprints or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The waitress has probably left the pad behind, so he hits his he puts his thumbprint on there and adds her a nice little tip on there and says, "Well, I'd be ready to go now, Miss Rory, if you're ready." Sounds good to me. I, I will need to stop by my shop and pick up my gear if we're going to get anything going quick enough, though. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you guys are heading out. Now, as you stop off at your shop, Bama, do you want to kind of describe what, what is your shop like? Oh, it, it's not as much a shop as it is a rented hole in the wall, like probably, you know, like a 10 by 10 storage unit, probably. <laughs> With, you know, scattered remnants of projects past, uh, different parts of robots and computer equipment, that kind of thing. But near the front door, he's got two sets of dollies. One is his his welding equipment, and the other is going to be his tools and a backpack. So your tools uh, on the dolly, is is this like some fancy floating hover dolly or an old school dolly on wheels? I'm going to say for the the time period and everything like that, it's it's probably a hovercraft. Okay. A cool floating dolly. Yeah. That Uh, that way weight is not as much a hindrance as trying to pull two dollies, you know? So. Yeah. And this is an audio show, so special effects aren't an issue. (laughs) Let's make everything floaty. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So you you, uh, you grab your tools and everything. You make your way to the ship. And uh, as you start using your mechanics and everything to figure out what's wrong and how to fix it and all that jibber-jabber, let's make the first roll of the game. Let's do that. So in GURPS, um, players have, just for the audience, um, in GURPS, players have a skill level, you know, number of points in a skill, and they roll a three-sided dice, or they roll... I'm sorry, three six-sided dices. And the idea is you want to get equal to or less than the skill number. So, okay. Bama, what, uh, you have a skill for mechanical, right? Uh, yes, I'm a level three mechanical. That is. So what, uh, what is your skill in that? I don't know. Okay, it is 12. You have a oh. skill of 12. And I see you rolled a 10, which means you succeed. You succeed by two. So, as you're, uh, and two is not a lot, but it's a, it's a success. So, you're walking around the ship, you're doing your thing, you're looking at your fancy little, you know, readers and taking out your space wrenches and doing all your, your fancy things. And you realize two things. First of all, the reason the ship can't uh, fly or do anything is because its power converter is failing. And the other thing you realize is that by scanning the power converter, you've set it off. And Kells, from uh, from just outside the ship, I suppose, you're, uh, you're looking at the ship and imagining flying through space and all that jazz <laughs> when there's an explosion inside. <laughs> and uh, you hear... Uh, Hank? You hear Hank Crawford shout an expletive. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I, I run onto the ship. All, All right. right. You find Hank lying on the floor, uh, unconscious, and blood rushing out of a, a big wound right in his chest. Oh. And your your instinct tells you that uh, if you don't get him some medical attention right away, he's going to bleed out. Halfway through the episode, and we've already blown up a crew member. Hello, I'm Joe Hogan, the editor of As the Dice Roll, and I wanted to welcome you to our premiere episode. Yay! We've actually been recording since September, so we're a good six or seven sessions into this campaign, but we wanted to make sure we had time to edit the episodes and give you the best quality possible. Because we are several sessions ahead of what we're posting, this mid-episode break will just give us a chance to connect with you each week, let you know what's going on with us, and will hopefully let us hear from you. We're hoping to get feedback from you, and this will be where we respond to any comments you have. Uh, We may have the players or the GMs come on and answer any of your questions. We'll tell you if there's any upcoming special events, stuff like that. So please send us your feedback. Uh, You can email us at podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. And all of our individual players and podcasters information is available on our website, which is asthedicerollcast.com. Now, As the Dice Roll is the name of the podcast, but within this podcast, we're actually going to be running multiple campaigns. This episode is the first installment of our GURPS campaign, Cautious Optimism. But next week, we're going to have the first installment of a different campaign with different players, a different GM, and a different game system. Episode two will be the premiere of our D&D 5e campaign, The Horsefeather Saga. It has a bit of a different feel to it than Cautious Optimism. Here's a quick preview of next week's episode. Chris and Mike and Joe have all experienced my DMing with this, so they have a good idea of what it's like. Charlie, you are new to this, so you're going to need to roll a d20 to determine how often I'm going to kill you. Charlie, do you know what a bullywog looks like, by the way? Like a little frog guy? It's a frog dude. Frog dude. With teeth. He's got teeth. Human teeth? Uh, bullywog teeth. God, how terrifying would that be? (laughs) I'm going to picture the one nearest to me as having human teeth. (laughs) Um, okay, like like dentures? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't ask him. We're, we're being honorable by stabbing you in your thigh. <laughs> That's right. Bullywogs hate thighs. <laughs> All those visions of frogs' legs roasting over an open fire. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan understands because he has pretty nice thighs. <laughs> Hot. Fair enough. Does Ryan wear short shorts? <laughs> Not right now, but he has been known to. You're you're like you're capture. Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, you can you can say something if you would like to. <laughs> Release Howard the Terrible. <laughs> Unhand me. <laughs> Top of the order. So this goes to Zerk the Mohawked. My God, they're trying to kidnap that small child. <laughs> Zerk 100% is convinced that Howard is a child. <laughs> he does not realize he's a elderly no. Okay, so that's basically how we're going to play this. So, as you can see, both campaigns are very different, but both are a lot of fun, and we really hope you enjoy them, because we've had fun creating them. We're going to go do a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back to Act 2 of the premiere episode of Cautious Optimism. When toxic culture has you down, 
when you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time, and we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. You find Hank lying on the floor, uh, unconscious, and blood rushing out of a, a big wound right in his chest. And your, your instinct tells you that uh, if you don't get him some medical attention right away, he's going to bleed out. So, assuming that there's no, because this is the future, mm-hmm. or this is, you know, space, that there's no, like, public intercom Wi-Fi that I can tap into and, and send out an alert, I run out of the ship yelling, medic, medic! All right. Two of the dock workers there, both uh, avians, you know, both bird people and, and overalls and stuff, run over and uh, they go in they run inside the ship and because they can tell obviously from the smoke and everything where the problem is and they pull out your friend hank you know one's got him by the shoulders the other's got him by the feet and they pull him out Ah, we need to get him to the clinic squawk right away squawk so they go ahead and they grab him i guess they just grab him with their talons on their feet so like one of them's got their talons into his shoulders the other's got his talons into Bama's feet, and they start flying away with holding Bama like that. And <laughs> as you watch, you realize the talons are like cutting into him a little bit. So there, he's starting to bleed from his shoulders and his feet now. You're not sure that they're helping that much, but they're flying him in the direction you know the clinic is in. So that feels like progress. <laughs> I mean, too late now. Um, <laughs> so I, I follow them. <laughs> All right. As you, uh, as you get to the clinic, they were a little faster than you, you know, flying and everything. So as you get to the clinic, you're in time to see uh, Hank is on a, a gurney, uh, no longer being grasped in talons. And uh, some medical people are around him and they start wheeling him into the back to perform medical things on him. And uh, as you're standing there, there's a, another Mator four-armed big guy but this one's dressed kind of nice and he's arguing with what looks like a hospital bureaucrat the bureaucrat saying something like i know that you have a doctor's degree and all that but you're a you're a mature you gotta use all your brains to work your forearms there's no brains left to do doctor things sorry you can't work here and the dejected-looking, possibly angry-looking Matorb is played by Joe. Do you want to describe your character, Joe? Yeah, he is a little smaller than an average Matorb. Uh, he's only about uh, 8 foot 10. But like most of his race, he is pretty broad and muscular, not from really working out or anything, just because that's kind of the the, the build of, of his race. He's got a very deep, kind of pretty colored teal skin that is about the texture of like a dolphin's 
he's wearing what would be considered scrubs. It's kind of a, a t-shirt with a, a black cross coming down from the collar and pants that are made of the similar material. And he's pissed. He's really, really offended. And I mean, like, cause that's not just a little slight. That's a huge slight to say that he's got to operate his forearms with his brain. So um, he's, he's trying to control himself. And yeah, that's, that's where he's at. And the uh, the uh, doc office uh, bureaucrat, hospital bureaucrat guy says, Sorry, now please make room for the patients and the real doctors. And he kind of walks away. So can I see, is anyone attending to Hank at this point? Yeah, yeah. There is there is some people looking him over and, and trying to help him out. Upon inspe- Well, you know what? Let's make another roll. Second roll of the game. Make a uh, perception roll. Basically, you're going to try to get equal to or less than your PER skill. My perception is a 12. I rolled a 9. You perceive pretty clearly that none of the people attending to Hank are actually doctors. It, It looks like it's really just nursing staff. And you're a little bothered by the fact that he's still bleeding out. And there's probably a time limit on how long he can last. So I storm over to the the dejected Matorb and <laughs> grab him by one of the arms and yank him into the room and, and say, forget that specious jerk. This guy's going to die in here and sort of drag him into the room. All right. Are you, are you going to allow yourself to be dragged by this stranger? Do you resist at all? Well, when he first, when I first feel her grab me, I almost like, you know, I ball up my fists because I'm pissed, but I, I noticed that you know, she's pulling me back into the clinic. Now that I have backup, (laughs) I can feel like I can do my job and get these other people out of the way. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. So as you, uh, as you approach the, you know, Hank on the gurney, you see he's bleeding out and everything. The, uh, the people around him, you know, the nurses basically, uh, look up at you and say, oh, authorized medical personnel only, please. Can I make an intimidation check? Ooh. Ah, you sure can. All right. Now you're using words I recognize. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My intimidation is a 14, and I got a 9. Ooh, success by 5. So that's pretty good. So what exactly are you doing to be intimidating? Are you saying something? Are you striking a scary pose? He walks in and just in uh, a very penetrating voice just goes, Move! And and if there's a, if there's a person nearby, if there's an avian nearby, he kind of just not hard. He doesn't want to hurt anybody, but he kind of just pushes them out of the way. All right. So I mean, imagine a bunch of pigeons on the road when a car is coming at them, and they all just kind of fly <laughs> off. Uh, these guys basically do that, and they have they have cleared the space. All right. Then I, I guess I probably should roll for medic. All right. And uh, my medic skill is 13, and I got a 10. Okay, that's a, a success by three. So you're able to, you're able to quickly assess that uh, the bleeding out needs to be stopped, and you quickly bandage him up and everything and expertly stop all the bleeding. But you realize that he's, uh, he's going into cardiac arrest, and he's going to need uh, one of those electrical zippy-zap paddles Mm-hmm. to uh, prevent him from, you know, having a heart attack or whatever. And you don't have any zippy zap paddles on you. Okay. 
Hmm. <laughs> are, is there any, are, is there any equipment around here that, that could be used? Make a perception check. Just barely. Mine's a 12 and I rolled a 11. All right. But well, so it's a success just barely. So with the adrenaline and everything going on and your emotional state from, you know, you've been having kind of a bad day. Now you're in this hectic situation. You're having a hard time maybe focusing really on uh, on searching the room. But you do see that there is off in the corner, there are some zippy zap paddles that are, are being used by a doctor. Not to actually revive a dying patient, but it, it looks like he's uh, kind of like calibrating them or something. He's doing some kind of work on them. But it is a, a Birdman doctor, and he's maybe thirty feet away from you. All right, he's gonna he's gonna shout over, uh, "Doctor, I I need those paddles." And the Birdman looks at you and says, ah, "Doctors only." <laughs> I am a doctor. Ah. Make uh let's see, what would this be? Persuasion? You're not really intimidating them. Uh uh-uh. uh. Is there persuasion? There? <laughs> <laughs> um uh, let me look at my skill list. I mean, no, I know I don't have a, a persuasion skill. I figure yeah. I spend most of my time looking at intimidation because he's just so big, might as well use it as an advantage. But am I able to see am I seeing this interaction? Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're there, you're present. So I don't have persuasion, but I have charisma. Oh, that sounds persuasion-y. So I see this interchange. I go over to the bird doctor with the paddles. Let me get my thing up here to roll. And so I, I using my charisma, I go, listen, I, we're kind of on a, on a time crunch here. I, I've hired this man to fix my ship and it blew up. And I feel like I'm possibly potentially liable if he, you know, dies. So if I could just, and as I'm saying this, I'm just kind of taking the paddles out of his little hands. <laughs> if I could just take these, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much for understanding. This this is this you really you really helped us out here a lot. This is this has been great. I see you rolled an eight. What, right. what is your charisma again? I don't know what my charisma is. I didn't get that oh. far. <laughs> I ha- I have I've I bought charisma. It's an advantage. So I don't know what number that puts on it. Hmm. Okay. Because it's not a skill. We went a lot farther without having to look up anything in the rule book. I thought we would. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't apologize. It's all part of the game. So I see on your sheet you have five for charisma. That's how many points it costs. Yeah. So, I, so I've looked it up. It says charisma. You have a natural ability to impress and lead others. Anyone can acquire a semblance of charisma through looks, manners, and intelligence. Real charisma is independent of these things. Each level gives a plus one on all reaction rolls made by sapient beings plus one to influence plus we need to make a reaction roll maybe influence rolls i think under um at three page 359 of your campaign book i think yeah 359 is what it says in the book all right yeah that's the um basic set campaigns which is kind of like the dm guide mm-hmm I don't know that the players need it, but if you wanted to pick one up, that would be fine, of course. Then there'd be more people looking up all these complicated rules. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. An influence role is a deliberate attempt to ensure a positive reaction from an NPC. Well, that sounds like what we're doing here. Diplomacy, fast talk, intimidation, all these other things. But we there must be a base stat that we add those modifiers to. I'm guessing it's will, but I don't know for sure. I mean, will make sense, but I think IQ might work too. If you're, well, both of those are the same number for me. So, <laughs> oh, good. Well, 
that that makes things easier. Right. Let's see. If you win, you but get a good playing. reaction. Good role playing, Bama. We're bleeding out right now. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a cardiac arrest. I don't really know how to play that part, so I'm just kind of winging it. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, for the sake of uh, moving on with the game, let's let's go ahead and use your will um, plus your five charisma points. Uh, which is 17. So really, as long as you don't roll a 3, which is a critical failure, you're probably going to make it. Of course, if you get an 18, that's a... No, 3 is a critical success. 18 is a critical failure. So yeah, as long as you don't get an 18, you'll be good. Right. Well, good. Oh, is is that your uh, your 8? Yes. In that case, you are completely successful in... Um, taking the zippy zap paddles away from the guy and he kind of just shrugs his wings like it's your funeral wow it's that guy's funeral but whatever (laughs) good so i bring those back over to the matorb all right joe let's make another medical roll to see how successful you are at using the zappy paddles come on joe Ooh, close. <laughs> 12 <laughs> with a skill level of 13. <laughs> Ooh, success by one. All right. So you, you give them the old zippy zaps. Hank's body uh, kind of shakes, you know, like they do in the shows. And uh, he lays he lays back down perfectly still. And uh, as you get his pulse and everything, at first it doesn't seem like anything happened but then you notice his pulse does start to steady and it's getting stronger and you realize that whew, you are successful at this point hank is stabilized and will probably make a full recovery thank you um, yeah I, I sigh in relief <laughs> oh <laughs> so thanks for that uh yeah of course uh he starts to pick up uh his stuff he had a uh large framed backpack that basically holds all his all his uh, meager possessions and uh, it's got like a ballistic helmet kind of hanging off of it and uh, he he lifts that up and starts to walk out. So you just traveling the galaxy trying to get a meager job in clinics or what? what's your story? I've never seen a mature doctor before. Yeah, nobody has and unfortunately that's part of the problem. Uh, nobody thinks that uh, we have the intelligence to be a doctor, but I have my license through the, the League of Planets, and uh, yeah, does me a lot of good, though. Huh. Well, if you're uh, looking for a way off the planet, and you can help me keep this engineer alive, um, <laughs> you can catch a ride with us if you want. Uh, he's, he's like, taken very aback, and he's like, oh, well, I, yes, I, 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 would, I would appreciate that greatly. Good. Um, tell me where I can find power converters on this planet if you know I, I don't exactly know but i'm i'm assuming there's a bazaar or or like merchant district somewhere around here great how soon can uh this guy go how soon can we get on out of here <laughs> how 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 bad is he at this point <laughs> at at this point he's not going to be able to walk for a little bit but if you got him some kind of a hovery hover wheelchair he'll probably be conscious in about him hour or so you would guess and if anybody out there knows anything about real medicine and i'm doing it all wrong i apologize i'm i don't know doctor things so we're just making it up okay <laughs> it doesn't have to be real right exactly <laughs> it's after space for some reason the name of defibrillators was lost around mid-century we now call them shocky thingies 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you see, the bird people on this planet can't pronounce defibrillator with their beaks. So, yeah, that makes sense. We're wrong with that. Um, I, I think... I'm I'm very suspicious of these bird people uh, and their abilities since the doctor was standing in the corner fixing the shocky thingies and not actually working on the patient. So right. um, I feel fully justified in uh, placing him on a on a hover gurney and uh, taking him out with us. So so the party of uh, three brave adventurers are uh, heading to the shopping district. I believe now, that would be two brave adventurers, one almost corpse. <laughs> that sounds like any Dungeons & Dragons group Absolutely. I've ever played with. Yep. Look, all I need you to do is point at what a power converter looks like. Which one you want? Next time on Cautious Optimism. Are you members of the guild? You say you have a ship? Would you be interested in carrying a little cargo for me? While everything else is supposed to be vegetables and fruits, this looks like it's full of vials filled with liquid. You see a little holographic image and he says, I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm in a lot of trouble. You got to help me. You've been listening to As the Dice Roll. The As the Dice Roll intro music is The Soap Opera by James Bowers. You can find and license his music through Pond5 at Pond5.com. All the rest of the music in this episode is by Darren Curtis and can be found at DarrenCurtisMusic.com. The opening voiceover is by our very own Rob Sometimes. You can find his podcast at ComicBox.Libsyn.com. And the As the Dice Roll logo was created by Marcel Edwards. Check out her book, No Great Matter, at MSEdwards.com. As the Dice Roll is a proud member of the Geek2Geek Media Network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows, streams, and content at Geek2GeekMedia.com. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to podcast at AsTheDiceRollCast.com. Individual players and GMs, social media can be found on our website at AsTheDiceRollCast.com. 